So, Lord, can we put our hands together and just thank the Lord for his goodness to us this morning? Can we do that? God is so good. And we praise him this morning for his faithfulness and for his unfailing love to us. Just time and time again, he loves us so much, and we have so much to be thankful for today. I want to express a thank, thank you to, to you for allowing us to be away last weekend. As you know, uh, we attended our son's graduation and wedding all in about two days. <gasps> good to be back with you today. Thankful for our district superintendent, Tim Crump, and his ministry, and him being here last week, and I trust that you enjoyed um, him. He's a wonderful leader, and we're thankful to have him as our district superintendent. And also just want to remind you, I know you heard it in the video announcements this morning, but next Sunday is Faith Promise Sunday, and we're going to have the privilege, and I mean privilege, of having with us uh, Dr. Jess Meddendorf, who's a retired general superintendent in the Church of the Nazarene, a fantastic preacher and speaker you will not want to miss next Sunday. So plan on being here, and in invite somebody to come with you. It'll be a wonderful day. Remember, we have a combined service next week starting at what time? 10 o'clock. Don't forget, we'll be sending out reminders this week, but we just want you to be here and be a part of that service next Sunday. It will be a wonderful, wonderful day. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12, we're going to continue uh, our series uh, titled Mission Possible that we've been in over the last few weeks. I'm excited today to remind you that we serve the God we serve a God who can do the impossible. There is nothing too hard, too difficult for him. And as part of this series, we've been taking looks of different parts of our Christian walk that sometimes we're tempted to look at and say, you know what, there is absolutely really no way that I could ever live that way. I know that's what God calls me to do. I know that's how he calls me to live, but I just don't see how I could live that way. And I remind you today that there is nothing too hard for him. And so those things sometimes that we feel like are impossible with God, God's help through the power of his Holy Spirit, he is able to help us to live the way he calls us to live. If you're thankful for that, say amen. This week, his mission, if you choose to accept it, is to live prayerfully. To live prayerfully. Acts chapter 12 this morning. Following the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus, the early church began to be very bold to the power of the Holy Spirit in reaching out. Bold in their faith, bold in their message, bold in their preaching. And as a result, people were saved. In fact, not just a handful of people, but the Bible tells us that over a period of just a few days, thousands were saved by the moving of the Holy Spirit and the willingness for early believers to begin to share the good news that Jesus Jesus Christ is the Messiah, and he's the one that can make a difference in our lives. And as a result, lives were changed by the thousands. If you're thankful that God is still late changing lives through the power of the cross, say amen. He is doing that yet today, and we thank him for that. But here in the early days, people were being saved. And so, as you might imagine, those in opposition to the message of Jesus Christ, they began to push back. The Jews began to push back because not only were Jews being converted, but Gentiles, those who were not of the Jewish faith were being converted as well. And people were responding in such a great way that the Jews began to be very upset. And these people would stop at nothing to get their own way. You might remember they crucified Jesus on the cross. They would stop at nothing to get their own way and to put a stop, at least try to put a stop to this great movement that had begun. They had crucified Jesus, but you might remember a little earlier in Acts, they had also stoned Stephen and put him to death. The Bible will tell us here in Acts chapter 12 that James, the disciple, had also been killed as a result of all of the things they were trying to do to stop the message of Jesus from being spread. And now, as we pick up here in Acts, the 12th chapter, Peter, Peter the disciple, 
Peter, the one who had denied Christ, but on the day of Pentecost preached boldly when the 3,000 were saved, that Peter, he now found himself in, in prison. And based on what had happened to the others, right, based on what happened to not only Jesus, but to Stephen and to James, it seemed his fate was sealed. I wonder this morning, has you, have you ever been to a point in your life where it seemed like there was just no hope? Have you been there before? Right? That's where Peter was. He could look around and see that it didn't seem like there was much hope. I mean, he was in prison under heavy guard, and based on what happened to the others, it didn't seem like there was hope. But the truth is, it's anything but over. It's a powerful story. Let's look, Acts chapter 12, and let's see how that when we live prayerfully, it can make a difference, not just in our life, but in the lives of those around us. Acts chapter 12, beginning with verse 1. Listen to this great story. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword, and when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the time of the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared when the light shone in the cell, and he struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, quick get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed through the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and, then when, and, and they went through it. When they, had, when they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt the Lord sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were anticipating. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We're glad, Lord Jesus, that this just isn't a story, but this is your story. These are facts. This event happened and we're thankful today that as we look at this story once again, that not only can we celebrate your powerful, uh, your powerful work in Peter's life and in the life of the early church, but we can celebrate the fact that you're still able to do this kind of work in our lives yet today. And we pray today that our eyes would be open to that and that we truly would discover afresh today that you're a God who hears and answers prayer. We love you, Lord, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I just want to remind you right out of the gate this morning that it is possible for us to live prayerful lives. Lives filled with prayers to a God who's standing by to hear and answer prayer. Notice how when we pray prayers in accordance with God's will, it makes a difference. Did you see it there in verse 5? It says, so Peter was kept in prison, but, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. I know you know this this morning, but the church is not a building, right? I mean, we say we're going to church, and we, say we, are, we would say this morning that we're gathered in the church, but the church is not a building. You are the church. 
I am the church. Together we are the church. The building does not pray, but the people who make up the church pray. We are the ones that call out to God on our behalf and on behalf of those around us. Peter was in prison, and the Bible tells us, but the church, the people of God, were earnestly interceding on his behalf. If you're glad this morning for people who have interceded for you, say amen. Amen. I'm so thankful today for those people in my life as well. The church, they had a burden for Peter, for the situation that he was in, and they began to call out to God for him to work powerfully in Peter's life and situation. I ran across this in my study, and I, and I just loved how simple it's put, and yet how powerful this statement is. Puritan preacher Thomas Watson said these words, the angel fetched Peter out of prison, but it was prayer that fetched the angel. Isn't that good? It was the prayers of the church calling out to God that began the movement of God on Peter's behalf. We need to be believers who pray, believing that as we pray, our God hears and answers prayer. We need to live prayerfully so that chains can be broken. Look at verse 6. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. I think they kind of wanted to keep him there, don't you? I mean, I would say this could be considered maximum security, right, in that day. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and the light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrist. Peter was in a mess here, wasn't he? I mean, he was, in a, he was in a mess. He'd been seized. He'd been placed in prison. He'd been there a few days, the Bible tells us, and, and really this was it. This was the last night before the trial. This was the last moment before whatever was going to happen was going to take place. If he ever needed these chains to be broken and set free from prison, I mean, it was today. Tomorrow wasn't an option, right? Have you ever been in a situation where tomorrow wasn't an option? God, we need you to work today. Great is his faithfulness, right? We've all been there. We've all been there in situations where tomorrow wasn't an option, and yet chains seem to hold us fast right where we were. Some of us are chained in a lot of different ways, or have been maybe. I would say one of the things that probably changed people the most is their past. Our past can really get a hold on us. It can be the wounds of a difficult childhood, the wounds of a difficult marriage, the wounds of a divorce that a spouse carries, or even that a child carries from childhood to adulthood. These things can chain us. It can be wounds from a past sinful lifestyle that maybe we lived, and yet those chains hold on to us. Chains from poor financial decisions that can roll over year after year after year and get a hold on us. And the past can chain us to living lives of discouragement and defeat and depression. These are chains in our life. We can also be chained by addiction, drugs, alcohol, tobacco, sex, pornography, food, gambling, 
anger and a negative attitude. Did you ever think about that that can be an addiction in our life, that we can, we can, be, we can just be negative? Have you ever found yourself walking away from a conversation and think, wow, why was I so negative in that? Or, or you become very angry very quickly and you walk away thinking, boy, I wish I wasn't that way. It can almost be an addiction. We just get, we learn how to respond that way and it just comes up again and again. Other addictive behaviors can be things like the internet or social media. Or we can even be addicted to work and we work and we work and we work. We can be chained. And the reality is, deep down, I think we know that there are things like this and many more things that can chain us. Deep down, we know what those things are that just seem to hold us back in our life. And we want to make those changes. And yet, with, with all of our might and all of the things that we try to do, it just seems like we're held there in these change, chains, powerless, it seems, to really make the change that we need. We would look at that and say, you know what, I've struggled with that, and it's really, it's just impossible we think it's going to, if it's going to change in our life, that somehow it's up to us. And while we always play a part in the change that takes place in our life, we get to a point that we feel like, you know what, it's no use even asking God to help. Or maybe you've prayed about it before, and you just, it just seems like, you know what, it just didn't seem to make any difference. I wonder this morning... How much time have you spent this week calling out to God, really praying for God to work, to help break these chains in your life? How much time have you spent this week? How serious is it? Is it, is it a daily serious? Like, do you call upon God every day and say, Lord, you know these things in my past that just seem to have a hold upon me? You know these attitudes or these addictions that I have that I really want to be set free from? God, you know all about this. Have you spent time really calling out to God every single day for his help. I wonder how many people have you reached out to this week? I mean, people that you know you can have confidence with and, and you know that really are people of prayer. How many people have you reached out to this week and, and confided to them and said, would you join me in prayer because there's this, there's this struggle in my life. There's this thing, and maybe you wouldn't term it this way, but maybe you will after today, that really just has me chained and I wanna be set free from that. I, I don't want that to rule my life any, anymore and would you partner with me in praying about that? How many people have you asked to really help you pray? God's word is filled with commands, telling us to call upon him, telling us to ask him for the help that we need, promising that when we have a need like that, those are the types of needs, folks. Can I just remind you, these are the types of things that God wants to work in our life. I believe there's nobody that wants to be set free, including us, any more than God wants us to be set free. And that's why we have to call upon him and ask him to help. I remember when we were working hard to, to really try to pay Jaron's hospital bills when he was really young and just out of the hospital and those bills were rolling in. And I've shared that story with you before that we committed those to God and, and, and we stood on the promise, Philippians 419, my God will supply all your need according to his riches and glory. And over the weeks, God began to, to provide for that as we put him first, as we gave to God first, and then as we just trusted in him to provide for us. It was amazing to watch. And I remember a few weeks into that, we called upon God, we'd asked him for help, but I remember a few weeks into that, there was a week where things were so very tight. I mean, we weren't quite sure how we were gonna get through the rest of that week, and I, I think I might have a picture of, um, this is Jaron um, when he was a baby, and, and that was the first night in Riley that we were holding him, um, and, and you know, just thinking about all that was before us. 
And so it was just shortly after this, and I remember he had to be put on a very special formula, and that formula was so expensive, we were trying to figure out how to do that. It was a tight week, and my mom called me that week, and, and she said, hey, how's it going? How's everybody doing? Everybody healthy? All that. And then she said this. She said, um, hey, hey, is there anything that you guys need? And in that moment, it was like I knew that we had to buy formula for this kid and that the week was really tight, and I wasn't sure how it was all going to work out. And I said, well, you know, um, if you could maybe just help us with some formula, you know, this week, that, that would be an answer to prayer, you know. And I remember the words that she spoke back to me. She said, um, Brian, like, if you need help, I want to help you. Like you've, but you, but you've got to add, you've got to let me know that you have any, you have to ask me. I want to help you. All you have to do is ask. Those words rung in my true, rung true in my mind. In fact, they still do. And mom will be watching after a while. So mom, give me a call. There's a few things maybe that you could help me with. <laughs> Those words rang true like this. I'm kidding, obviously. Happy Mother's Day, by the way. Those words rang true like this. Isn't that what God speaks into our life? I want to help you. Listen this morning. God wants to help you. He's saying, I want to help you. I want to work in your life. All you have to do is ask. And yet weeks go by, days, weeks, months go by, and we carry these burdens and we feel chained to these things in our life, whatever they might be this morning, however you would describe these chains, and we, and we feel like those things are holding us, and yet we never really get serious about calling out to God and saying, God, I know that you're able. Would you please help me in this area of my life? God wants to set you free. He wants to break these chains. All you have to do is ask him and trust him. We have to live prayerfully and ask him to work this way in our life. The church was praying earnestly for Peter. The church was playing earnestly. Now, it's not listed exactly what the prayers were that were prayed by the church, but they were calling on God to work powerfully in his life. I believe that they would have been standing on promises like that are found in Psalm 50, verse 15. And call on me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you will honor me. Tell me that's not what happened in Peter's life. The church called upon God, he was delivered, and then did Peter's life honor God or what, right? I mean, that was lived out in this life of Peter. And can I just tell you this morning, God wants to live it out in your life as well. Call upon me, right? And I will deliver you, and guess what? As God delivers us from these things that have us held back, you know what's gonna happen? Your life will honor God, why? Because the right response to God breaking the chains is praise to God for the work that he's done in our life, amen? And as we praise him, we bring honor and glory to him as the only one that can do the work. God is able this morning I want you to notice that it tells us that the angel struck Peter on the side and woke him up just before he was set free. This morning, my prayer has been, Lord, through the power of your, of your Holy Spirit, would you wake us up to the fact that you're able? Would you wake us up from the fact that you are able to work in our life, and then would you set us free? Help the chains to fall off. It's not too hard for him. As we live prayerfully, chains can be broken. And I also want you to see this morning that gates can be opened. Verse 9, Peter followed him out of the prison. He had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought it was seeing a vision. Verse 10, they passed through the first and second guards, and they came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went 
through it. Peter is freed from these chains, and he gets up and gets his clothes on, and he starts walking out of this, of this prison. And, and for a moment, I think that maybe, just maybe, he may have had to wonder, you know, I've made it this far as he's approaching this gate, right? I've made it this far, but this is a huge iron gate. Think about this now. This iron gate was put up for a purpose. Do you remember that, what that purpose is? The iron gate is to keep invading armies out. I mean, this isn't your typical, like, gate in your fence at, in the backyard of your house, right? I mean, this is an iron gate that led to the city. And don't you think at night this thing is locked and bolted? And, and, if he, and he may have been released in this way, but, you know, he had to wonder, I wonder how this is going to work out. How am I going to get through this next gate that I'm going to face. And I think that there's a lot of times that that happens to us too. We find ourselves set free from the chains that have us bound. I'm thankful that God is able to do that in our lives, right? He sets us free from these chains. We walk with Christ. We accept him as our Savior. He has a plan for our life. We begin to see these glimpses of God's plan as, as we walk with him. But soon we come to a place where it just seems that there are these obstacles in the way. In fact, not small things, but huge obstacles that can get in our way. Iron gates, if you will. And we think, how will I ever get through this new situation? Or how will I ever get through this crossroads that I'm facing where it just doesn't seem like there's going to be a way out? And we pray and we seek God's will, but at times it seems that, that all that follows is closed doors and iron gates that seem impossible. And we wonder, will this gate ever open? We're thankful for our freedom in Christ. We're thankful for the promises that he gives us in his word. But it seems at times in our life that we've come to a dead end. I want to remind you that the same God who breaks chains is the same God who is more than able to open these doors in our life. And these gates that seem to hold us back. And the secret to experiencing that is prayer. But the church was earnestly praying to God for him. I remind you today that as Peter is approaching that iron gate, that the church is still doing what? Still interceding for Peter. As he's approaching that iron gate, not knowing exactly how he's going to get through that, the church was still praying, still interceding on his behalf. We have to pray and not give up when we face times of waiting on God to open the next door, waiting on God to get us through the next impo what it seems to be an impossible wall that's before us. Pray and wait for the gate to be opened. Pray and wait for God to work, trusting in, in him. And yet we struggle so often to wait on God's timing. Sometimes, as he did for Peter, as we approach those things, the gate just opens. Aren't you thankful for the times when you don't really have to wait too long for God to work? Like you come to church, you, you, you pray a prayer here or in your devotion time at home, and, and you hardly get to your car, and God's working, right? Aren't you glad he answers like that sometimes, right? And then there's those other times where we have to wait on him. We don't like to wait. We traveled to Nashville, as you know, last weekend, and, and we took Annabelle with us. She was uh, in the wedding, one of Jaren's uh, flower girls. And Annabelle's not made many long-distance trips in her life. And so when we got to Seymour, she said, <clears throat> how much longer? And we said, well, it'll be a little while. And we got to Scottsburg. How much longer? It'll be a little while. We got to Louisville. She thought it was Nashville. That was not a good thing. <laughs> this is a big city. Are we there? No, it's a little while. She was so excited when we finally arrived. 
On the way home, she did great all weekend. On the way home, we get in the car, and we're getting in the car, getting the car packed, and we were driving uh, Jaron's wife, Annie, his, her car back as well, and so walked out to, pack her, to finish packing her car up, and it had an f- almost flat tire. So we aired it up, and we took, we, I said, we better go to the tire shop and just get it fixed. It shouldn't take very long, and so stopped the tire shop. Hey, we can get you right in tw- 20 minutes or so. We should have you on the go, and uh, we waited, and we waited, and 20 minutes turned into an hour, and it wasn't just Annabelle who was struggling. I snapped this picture. Might kind of fill you in on the difficulty. <laughs> you know, there are just some times where God just sets up everything so perfectly that you've got to snap a picture, right? So Annabelle's waiting. Michelle's waiting. This is after about an hour and a half wait on this tire, right? Everybody's tired of waiting. And, you know, we're much the same way when you stop and think about it, Right? Have you ever been in God's waiting room and felt that way? Come on, God. Are you ever going to answer? Are you ever going to work? We pray the prayer, and we wait, and we wait, and we live our lives with this how much longer attitude, right? We pray the prayer. We get in our car. We're driving. Okay, God, how much longer, right? Through the week, how much longer, God? And that's how we live. How much longer, And we get discouraged and depressed and complain because we feel like God doesn't hear our prayers for if he did, the iron gate would be open right now in this moment today. We need to live prayerfully and realize that God has promised that he will always be with us. We sang this morning that he's been faithful, right? God, you are faithful. You've been faithful. Great is your faithfulness. I think probably all of us here today can look back on our lives and see that even in those times where we had to wait, that God proved to be faithful. And if we will pray today and say, Lord, I trust you, Lord, you know that it seems like that I don't know how this is going to work out, I don't know how this gate's going to, but I trust you, Lord. And then, God, through the power of your spirit, would you help me to wait in such a way that anticipates and that is hopeful that you're going to do just what you will promise, what you promise us to do. Help us to move from how much longer living to God, I trust you, and I trust your timing, and I know one day we're going to see that gate opened. We will arrive. We have to pray and wait for the gate to open, but we also have to pray and believe, okay? Here's the ticket. Here's the ticket to, to really being able to wait upon the Lord. It's, it's, it's praying and waiting up on him, and then praying and believing that God will do just what he promises that he will do. If you believe that God is faithful to his promises and not one has failed, say amen. Amen. See, we've got to pray and believe that God is able to do what we're asking him to do. You know, um, and we can't give up. I was thinking this week about, you know, how quickly do we move to prayer? Is prayer really our first resource? Um, My sister Renee was down with us in Tennessee, and she shared with me one morning I know that Annabelle has a really strong faith and, and believes that God can help no matter what the situation is. If you've been around Annabelle, you know that about her. She just trusts that God can do it. And she's five, Annabelle's five, and my sister has daughters who are 10 and 12, and there was a couple other girls that were with them as well. And, um, and they invited Annabelle to come up to the room that they were staying in uh, one night, and Annabelle was up there playing with the girls, and they were having a good time. Well, one of my sister's uh, daughters, who's 12, wasn't feeling well, and she was laying on one of the beds, And Annabelle was just being Annabelle, right? I mean, she was just, you know, having a great time. And she jumped up on the bed where where my niece was laying, who wasn't feeling well. My sister said, hey, Annabelle, you know, just just be careful because she's not feeling good. She's laying on the bed because she's not feeling good. 
And that's all it took. Annabelle jumps off the bed, gets on her knees in the side of that bed where my, where my niece was laying, and she said, I'm going to pray for her right now. And she prayed this prayer. Here's, here's what she prayed. I, I wrote it down. She said, Dear Jesus, you know that this girl, I don't know her name. You know that this girl, I don't know her name, but she's not feeling well. Would you touch her and heal her so she can feel better? In Jesus' name, amen. My sister shared that with me. She was so impressed, right? I walked away thinking, God, would you give me Annabelle's faith? God, would you help me to have the same, the same desire to go to you as a first resource in my life? That when I hear about the need of somebody else, that I would, have, that I would believe in you enough to know. There's no doubt in her mind that God is able to do that. God, help me to believe that way. You see, we serve the same God today who healed the sick and cleansed the leper and raised the dead, and he's still at work among us. Do you believe that? See, a couple of you believe it. Do you believe that? You see, if we believe it, it makes a difference in how we pray. It makes a difference in how we pray. We have to be a people. We have to be a church that believes that God is able enough to call on him to help us. But we also have to believe upon him enough to call upon him to help those around us who have needs. We need to be a church that intercedes on, God's, on behalf of others to God. Can I remind you what Jesus is doing right now? Do you remember what Jesus is doing right now? He lives to do what? Intercede. He's at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf. If Jesus is interceding on our behalf, do you think it's an important task? For us to be interceding on behalf of others, God, help us to intercede. Help us to lay our pride aside and have confidence to believe, God, that you're able. And begin to pray as if we know that God can work powerfully in our lives and in the lives of others. Jesus has a plan. And his plan is not only to provide for you, but to, in the process, make you like him. His, his plan is not only to provide for you, but to make you an intercessor like him. To help you to pray for others around you. When we live prayerfully, chains are broken. When we live prayerfully, gates are opened. And I want you to see that when we live prayerfully, the, the, the plans of man can be overturned. Verse 11, Peter came to himself and said, now I know without a doubt that the Lord sent his angel and he rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were anticipating. Now if I would have been in prison that night instead of Peter, and, and see if you would be with me on this, if I would have been there instead of him, I can hear me. There's just no way that this is gonna work out. I mean, this is impossible, right? There's no use in even praying. I mean, Herod has proven that how evil he is. Those who served him have set him up to be that way. I mean, rewind it all the way back to when Jesus was born, and he put to death all of those babies at that point, and it just, it just rolls from there, right? It was then John the Baptist, and then James was put to death with the sword, and it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure it out. It is over. Would you have been there with me? See, we read scripture knowing what's gonna happen, and so we don't stop and think about how it would have felt to be right there. But I think that's how we would have felt. The plans of man were clear. Herod had a plan, Peter was going to die. That was his plan. 
Peter put to death, but the church. Do you catch it this morning? But the church was not giving in to the plans of men. Those gathered for prayer that night trusted and believed that God may, even though he may not have stepped in in the past, because think about this, it could have very well have been that the church had prayed when James was put to death. See, sometimes we get discouraged because we pray and we trust God and things don't always work out the way that we hope that they will. And what can happen is when things don't always work out the way that we hope that they will is at that point we stop praying. At that point, we just kind of say, well, prayer must not work anyway. And so we kind of just give up and stop believing that we serve the God who is able to do the impossible. I know it's going to be hard to get an amen here, but if you ever have felt that way, say amen. Amen. I have too. Like that's the temptation, right? But I have to remind you today that the church, the church continued to believe that God was able to intercede on Peter's Behalf. They trusted that even though he may not have chosen to work this way in the past, that he was able to work this way right now, today. So they began to pray. And they may not have used these words, but here's what they were praying. Dear God, help the plans of man to be overturned. Herod's plan was to put Peter to death. Help the plans of man to be overturned. Church, once again, we need to be praying that the plans of man would be overturned. Now you step back and look at this. We could say, hey, globally, we need to be praying the plans of man would be overturned. And you can begin to bring that in. There's a lot of plans being made across our country right now that need to be overturned because they're the plans of men. Now move it in a little closer, right? We go to our state or our city. But I want you to see just a little closer today. What are the plans that I'm making that are the plans of man? God, would you help me to see in my life the plans that I'm making that are not your plans? What if you would begin to pray? God, would you help me to see the plans that I'm making that are not your plans? What if we would begin to pray? God, would you overturn them? You see, I just believe in a group this size this morning that there are some of you that are going through a difficult time and maybe that you're so discouraged that you're thinking about just giving up on your Christian faith. Can I just tell you, that's a lie from the enemy and those are plans of man. I'm just speaking it straight this morning. We can be standing at crossroads and let me tell you something, the path of God often requires sacrifice. Take up, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me is not always the easy way. In fact, it rarely is the easy way. And sometimes when we get to those crossroads, the temptation is to go our way instead of staying on God's path. Can I just tell you, we need to constantly be praying, God, would you, would you overturn the plans of man, and would you help me to know your plans? Maybe it's the plans for my kids and that they're making. God, would you overturn anything, any plan that they're making that's not of you? Maybe it's the plans that my parents are making. Maybe it's the plans that my unsaved child or grandchild is making. Maybe it's my unsaved neighbor or coworker, the plans that they're, that they're making. God, would you turn their plans upside down? If they're plans of men, Lord, I just pray they would be thwarted and turned upside down. And would you send your Holy Spirit to draw them to you? Would you set them free from the chains that bind them today? I'm thankful for praying parents, I'm thankful for a praying mother. I think about my own life and I look back and think about the decisions I made right out of high school 
I wasn't praying about what God wanted for me. In fact, I took some missteps. I started college, and after two weeks, I dropped out. I went to, I went to a vocational school for a year. My mom was excited at that point because she'd been praying that God would just get me into a school, any school at that point. Um, I went to vocational school for a year. I took a semester off. She, I think, probably cried and prayed that whole semester that somehow God would get me back in school. And I went back to school the next fall and finished that degree out and, and got a job but still was floundering. And for six years, my mom, I know, was praying for me. And she may not have been praying these words exactly, but this was the gist of what she was praying. God, would you show him your, your plan and overturn his plans? You ever pray that for anybody? You say, Pastor, that seems mean. Let me tell you something. The greatest thing that we can do for our kids and our grandkids and our parents and our neighbors and those we love and we care about, the greatest thing that we can do for them, hear me, is to pray that God would take anything away from them, anything in their life that isn't of him, and help them to find his plan and his will for their life. It's the greatest thing that we can do. My mom prayed for me. Sometimes I still get frustrated. Can I say that? Sometimes I still get frustrated. Some days I still want to give up. See, I'm not exempt from that either. But I'm thankful for people who pray, Lord, would you overturn anything in his life that's of him and not of you? I'm telling you this morning, that's what I want. Because I tell you, my plans are selfish plans. But God's plans are perfect plans. We can't write people off, folks. We can't give up. We can't look back or around and conclude that because God didn't answer a prayer somewhere that we prayed along the way that he doesn't work, or because God didn't heal or because he didn't draw, that he didn't respond the way I wanted, that somehow there's no use in praying. Can I just tell you where those thoughts come from? Those thoughts do not come from God. They come from the enemy. If he can keep us from praying, have you ever thought about this? If, if the enemy can keep us from praying, if he can keep, if he keep us from getting on our knees before God, if he can keep us from interceding on behalf of others, if he can keep us from praying, he keeps us from the greatest weapon that we have to make a difference in the lives of those we love and really in the world around us. Prayer is the greatest weapon that we have to defeat the powers of the enemy that come against us. God is still able to do the impossible in your life. He's able to break the chains. He's able to open the gates. He's able to overturn the plans of men in, in, those, in the lives of those that you love and that you care about. But here's the thing that we have to do. We have to pray. And the problem is, folks, the reality is this. And you know that this is true, and I know it's true. But day after day and week after week, if I were to take a poll this morning and say, how many of you have spent as much time in prayer as you would like to Probably not a hand would go up. Because today gets crunched, and tomorrow gets crunched. We think, I'm going to pray in the morning, and something happens. And before we know it, a week goes by, and then a month, and then a couple of months. And we can feel it in our, li in our life, right? We know it in our heart that we haven't been able to pray as much as we have for our own needs, let alone the needs of everyone else around us. And what we need to do is say, God, sometimes it seems... Sometimes it seems impossible to live a prayerful life, to live a life that is, that is guided by prayer and that's praying for others. But here's what I know. God, I believe that you can help me. 
I believe that somehow through the power of your Holy Spirit that you can help me and enable me to make prayer a priority in my life, that you can defeat the enemy at trying to steal away my time to be able to really pray and intercede on behalf of others. I asked you earlier, I said, I said, if you're thankful for those who have interceded on your behalf, say amen. And boy, it was a loud amen this morning. Who are you interceding for? The reality is this, and some of you are a little bit farther down the track than I am. Those who once interceded for me, many of them are gone now. There's still a great group of people praying, but many of them have passed. God's still honoring those prayers. But I wonder today, who's stepping in? Who's filling in the gap? Who's lifting up your family? I'm telling you today, it's our responsibility. And I'm not trying to put a guilt trip on you. I'm just trying to help you to see that prayer makes a difference. And if we choose to live prayerfully, we're going to see God work in our lives, in our families, in our community, in ways we never dreamed. Because we call on a God who is able to do the impossible. And we just have to believe it this morning. I'd like for you to stand with me if you would. And I'd like for you to bow your heads right where you are for just a moment. Here's how I want us to close this morning. The, those that are playing this morning, if you'd come. Here's how I want us to close. I believe today that God will honor the prayers prayed in this place. And I just wonder this morning if there would be those from throughout the congregation who would just say, I want to I be, be a person of prayer. I want God, I want, God, I want you to work in my life. Maybe there's some chains that need to be broken in your life today. And you just want to come and let God work in that way. Maybe some gates that need to be opened. But maybe today, you want to come forward and stand or kneel or be seated. Just come down front and say, God, I want to come down and intercede this morning. Maybe it's a mother who has children that are far from God. Maybe it's a, a grandmother or a grandfather or a sister or a neighbor, and you have just somebody in your life, and you just want to say, God, I believe that you are all-powerful. Maybe, maybe just a situation in your life, and you've realized this morning the Holy Spirit has spoken to you, and you just realize, you know what, I've given up on God responding to that, but I believe today that if I'll pray afresh that God's able. I invite you to come this morning and join me. I'm, I'm praying today. I've got a need that I just need God to work in. It's a gate that needs to be opened, and I've been waiting, and I need God to work. He's able today. Father, we love you, and we're so grateful this morning that you are here and that you're speaking to hearts. And, Lord, I know this is a, a message that can go a lot of directions, but I just pray that your Holy Spirit has spoken it exactly to every heart just like you want to. And I pray you'd draw us to you this morning and that you'd work in our lives and our families and our situations because you're able. Help us to just begin to pray this morning with new confidence, believing, Lord, that you're able to work. We love you today, and we thank you in Jesus' name.